If you want to oppress a community, you start at their most vulnerable points. Mm-hmm. Women and babies. Mm-hmm. Women and progeny. Women and birth. If you want to impact, if you want to build a better community, it starts at birth. That's my mantra on my webpage. If you want to build a better community, it starts at birth. Welcome to the One Strong Mama podcast, the no BS show that's not afraid to get real about all things pregnancy, birth, postpartum, and beyond. We're talking with visionaries who are challenging the status quo and changing the world one pregnancy and one birth at a time. I'm Lindsay McCoy, Mama 4, exercise physiologist, doula, and childbirth educator. My passion is making pregnancy, childbirth, and recovery better. And I'm also passionate about coconut LaCroix. And I'm Lauren O'Hayan, a mom of three girls, lover of all things tropical. I have never had coconut LaCroix. And I am known for my work with the core and pelvic floor. Today's episode, we had the huge pleasure of talking with the extraordinary Denise Bolds. Denise and I met several years ago when I was speaking at the Spinning Babies Conference in Minneapolis, and I've continued to follow her work ever since. She's quite literally the best of the best when it comes to doulas, and I feel like we need many more episodes to even get to the tip of the iceberg of this huge amount of knowledge that this woman has to give to us. Today's episode, we discussed racism in maternity care, the very real lived experience of birthing while black, and she educated us on a lot of the history behind the systemic racism in the medical system. It's a very powerful episode. I felt speechless so much of it with how much information she was giving us that I just felt like I needed to sit with for a while, and I hope that you will listen to this episode sit with this information and then help it be a catalyst for change and growth in our society and in birth. Peace on earth begins with birth and birth is not better until it's better for all of us. Let's get started. Denise Bold is Bold Dula. She's a native New Yorker living in New York City. Denise is a Dona International Certified Birth Dula since 2014 with 156 births of experience. That is incredible. She's a doula mentor, childbirth instructor, placenta encapsulation specialist, and CLC. Denise is a podcast producer, self-published author, and an activist. She is also the mother of a 29-year-old son, which I'm wondering about because I just looked at you and I was like, you kind of look 29. So that's amazing. I want to I wanna look like you when my daughter is 29. <laughs> so, um, Denise, thank you for being here with us. Yes, thank you. We always ask our guests to begin by just telling us a little bit about yourself and how you got into the work that you do now. Sure. So thank you for having me. This is absolutely wonderful. I'm so excited to be here. Um, I started out in uh, my doula journey uh, first as a medical social worker for managed care organization here in New York. I was one of the first MSW degree social workers to be hired in managed care 
to help with medical management for uh, managed care organizations. So I was case managing high-risk pregnancies, uh, million-dollar cases, and um, I was in corporate America. And as a single mom at the time, corporate America really helped. It, it sustained us. Um, but once my son left the nest and, and had his own master's degree, I wanted to do something for me. So my yoga instructor had a free plane ticket to India. And she said, whoever can get their visa and come up with $2,000 for all of the incidentals, then what you can do is you can actually get this plane ticket. So I sold my life insurance policy and I oh, went to, I went to wow. India for a month and I stayed in an ashram. I lived in a tent in the desert. I crossed India by train about four times. It was for um, a spiritual trip. It was for Kumal called Holy Dip. And um, I, had holy, uh, I had holy men feeding me from their plates and talking about uh, earth sustainability. And I had a lot of prayer and yoga time in India. And I came back home and I said, I knew what I wanted to do. So I took my living room furniture and some other things I had in my basement and pulled it out of my lawn and I sold it. And I took my donor training and here I am. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. <laughs> That's incredible. Where where in India were you based? Oh my gosh, we went all over the place. It okay. was just we went from uh, uh, Delhi to Rakeshesh. We went to uh, Vin Vinyasi, uh, where the, the city of the dead. Varanasi. Yeah. Varanasi. We went to the city of the dead. We went all over the place. We went to Agra to see, um, you know, the, the seven wonders, one of the seven wonders of the world, the uh, Taj Mahal. Um, it was just amazing. I ate vegan for almost a month. It was amazing. That's so awesome. I know that's totally off topic of what we want to discuss today, but I have a lot of my own travels in India. So I love hearing about what, where, you know, where you've been that inspired you to make such a huge change in your life. That's incredible. Yeah. Well, thank you. Well, it is part of my family lineage. I come from a Southern based family in the South, uh, a lineage of matriarchal healers and uh, involving birth. So um, it's kind of in my genes. So I kind of came full circle to who I am. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah, that's so amazing. So today we wanted to bring you on and really talk to you about racial disparities in birth and just what's going on. So can you maybe start by walking us through what it looks like to be Black and birthing in the United States and maybe in the whole world? I'm not sure right now. Well, the premise of being Black uh, is is a, is a premise here in this country and or the world for that matter that has been a, a systemic process of uh, one group over another. Mm -hmm. And uh, for a long time, uh, white people had it that it was scientifically proven that from the Caucasus mountains that, you know, this race of people came forward and they are the best people on the planet. Um, race is a social construct. Racism uh, is just a part of that. And to be black in this country or any other country for that matter um, means that you have you have been regarded um, as less than. You have been regarded um, by society. Um, you have been regarded by education and by the, the medical uh, arena as being less than. Uh, being black in America, I can speak for that. It simply means that my language, my religion, my spiritual practice, my culture, my norms, my people, everything have been taken from me. And when, I, when my ancestors came to this, uh, this land, um, was not on a cruise ship, it was on a slave ship, mm -hmm. packed shoulder to shoulder, feet to feet, um, uh, uh, going for months in, 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 in uh, blood from your period, vomit, 
and feces to get to this country. And we came and we were resilient and we survived. And the extraordinary amount of blacks that were taken from Africa literally changed the shark migration pattern because the sharks began to follow the slave ships because mm -hmm. whoever didn't make it was thrown overboard so they had a free meal. So um, that is just how profound it is. And um, they've said that if you ever could follow uh, the pattern uh, from the sky with a, a satellite, you could actually see some of the, the bone patterns that were just that much um, from, from the bottom of the ocean. So it's very, very interesting about that. But to be regarded black, it simply means that I'm regarded as less than. And the first thing that you will see on me is the color of my skin. You will not see my spiritual practice. You will not see my level of education. You will not see my income bracket. You will not see my sexual preference. You will not see my, uh, uh, my marital status. You will see the color of my skin. And it is an immediate trigger for white people to assume that I am less than, that I am problematic, that I'm coming from a broken home, that I'm uneducated, that I need assistance, that I'm here to do something criminal or absolutely negative. That's what is regarded for me every day. Oh, that's crazy. You know, I was just speaking with my next door neighbor who's a woman of color and she, um, she was telling me the story of her daughter, one of my daughter's best friends. She didn't make the bus. You know, she missed the bus at school on the way home. And so the principal dropped her off and she goes, he kept trying to relate to me with talking about how he grew up on food stamps. And she's like, I'm not even on food stamps. Right. It's oh. just the right. assumption that he made just dropping yes. off her kid. Yes. Yes. Crazy. Yes, absolutely. I was also just listening to a podcast with Leila Saad, where she was interviewing Kimberly Seals Allers, who is also in New York City. Um, and she was saying that the, the 243% more, so black women are 243% more likely to die in childbirth and post-childbirth than white women. That yes. is staggering. That is staggering. Yes, yes. My mother passed away in 2018 and I was her caregiver. And the one profound moment of my mother's transition that I recall so vividly is me arguing over her hospital bed with a physician mm -hmm. to get her more pain management because he did not believe she was in pain. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah, that, that is staggering. So um, the what I've been reading, I'd love to hear your take on this, um, that because I think people think, oh, well, it's a socioeconomic thing or it's a, and the, the, it's an education thing or, you know, the things that you say, but, um, I, it's, it's not as socioeconomic levels increase, the disparity widens is what I'm seeing in research. It's not, you know, it's, it's a psychological stress, a chronic stress from living in a racist world. Is that correct? Or can you speak, speak to that? It's very true. Uh, the comorbids that Black people face are race-induced. Mm -hmm. High blood pressure, mm -hmm. heart disease, diabetes, um, over, over, over obesity, mental health, anxiety, depression, all of those things are a result of living in a racist society. Um, and that is why we're going into births at a higher risk 
because we're black. Right. We're bringing these comorbids, these comorbidities into birth because we're black. And then you walk into an institution that is also racist and it just compounds that, right? Uh, yes. I can't. If I had a dollar for every time I walked onto an L&D floor and I would walk in with my adequate, you know, proper professional look um, mm-hmm. as a doula, the first thing out of their mouths, oh, are you food service? Are you housekeeping? <laughs> oh, my gosh. And I have to just smile and say no. I'm here as a professional doula. I have a master's degree and I'm donut international certified. Where's patient so-and-so? And I have to, as a black person, I cannot uh, react. Mm-hmm. I have to respond. And in doing so, mm-hmm. my response is to show them through my work how extraordinary I am. So that same person who identified me uh, preconceived uh, when I came up on the floor, by the time that birth is done, they're asking for my business card. They're asking for me to come back and speak to the L&D department because they've never seen a doula like myself, white or black. Wow. And yet if a white doula walks onto L&D floor, they're not immediately assumed to be food service. They're not given at all. the benefit of the doubt, whereas yes. you have to be the best of the best. Yes. I have to be a hundred times better than Becky, Karen, or Susie because yeah. of the color of my skin. Uh, so that is what I am very, very accustomed to uh, living. And uh, Procter & Gamble, as a matter of fact, on YouTube, I'm, I'm more than happy to share the links with you both. Procter & Gamble has these two awesome commercials out about what black life is like. Mm-hmm. And my son, my son shared it with me. And it is so profound. But at the same time, as a single black mom, I, I benchmark every single one of those uh, highlights that are shown in that commercial. I would love to see that. Yeah, share it with us. We can put it in the show notes. That'd be amazing. Yes. <laughs> I think a lot of people need to hear this. You know, um, what, do you, what do you say to those people, um, maybe white birth workers, just white people in general who say, I'm not racist or I don't see color. I treat everyone the same or... These are a lot of different questions, but um, the other one I hear a lot is, well, I've struggled. I've had nothing handed to me. So (laughs) you've heard it all, I'm sure. Or you're in the spiritual world. I mean, if I had a dollar for every spiritual white person lately saying things like, why can't we all just get along? Why can't there just be peace? What, you know, in a way, these white spiritual women are saying a lot of harmful things lately. Well, yeah. Um, I'll say it like this, and I hope that it, it, it covers all of your questions because there were several questions in yeah. those statements. Um, racism is a social construct, and it is basically uh, oppressive, and it has a capitalistic model uh, where uh, money was made off of my ancestors, and the trauma that happen from that slavery abduction and taken to a new country and oppressed and beaten and raped and abused and worked to death where the average lifespan of a slave was rarely over the age of 30. Rarely. It was, it was a, it was a lucky thing if you, if you made it to 40. Um, Well, you know, white people are going to say all those things that you said, right? And I say this, it was a capitalistic model that started with uh, a patriarchal thought. 
So white women who are saying this, I want you to understand, you have been duped by the very white man that you are married to and that you've raised. They've duped you into this also, okay? Secondly, <laughs> it is a construct of capitalism. So once emancipation happened and slavery slowly ended, uh, this country had to shift on another way to capitalize on black people. Therefore, you have the inception of mass incarceration. You have the inception of very high special ed rates for black children in the education system. Mm -hmm. And you have, when it comes to maternal health, you have black women having the highest rate of prematurity and the highest rates of maternal death and infant stillborn. All of those things are high risk. All of those NICU babies are dollars and it's capitalism, capitalism, capitalism. That is the new slavery that we have. Incarceration, special ed, and a deficit, a negative statistic when it comes to positive outcomes for black maternal health. That equates to dollars. Now for the white woman who wants to sit here and say, well, I'm not racist, the same way I'm not a slave. I carry epigenetic predisposed mm. uh, genetic imprint of the trauma that my ancestors had to endure. White people, you carry the same trauma of having to bear witness to it. Mm. How do you want to know that? Because every now and then in your lifetime, something will come out of your mouth or something thought will come past your head and you'll say, oh my God. That was racist. Why did I say that? I'm not that type of person. I've never done that. It's because it's inherently in your genes. Mm -hmm. And yeah. you are predisposed to say it just as strongly as I'm predisposed to be triggered by the word nigger, by the slavery movies that the Oscar Academy seems to award, and by mm -hmm. all the other things that are in this society, I am constantly triggered. And guess what, white people? So are you. But you don't know how to identify it because it's too shocking to believe that the very white man that you lay next to and marry and invite into your body as well as give birth to has duped you. Mm. Very hard to, to, to put that into perspective. Yeah, that's powerful. Um, I was reading that the life stress um, the birth and the experiences of a grandmother, it affects three generations. So that is, you know, mm -hmm. we are carrying what our grandparents and great grandparents did or their stress and all of that. We're carrying it. If you want to oppress a community, you start at their most vulnerable points, mm -hmm. women and babies. Mm -hmm. Women and progeny, women and birth. If you want to impact, if you want to build a better community, it starts at birth. That's my mantra on my webpage. If you want to build a better community, it starts at birth. I love that. So, so tell us more about uh, that. Yeah, what can we do? What should we do? What, what are the steps, the actionable steps, steps that we should be taking? Well, you know, to answer your question, first of all, what does that mean? If, if somebody were to do, if Bill Gates were to do a study on all the incarcerated people in this country, you will find that their mothers had challenging births, whether it be prematurity, whether it be poverty, whether it be high risk, they all had 
that negative influence before they were even taking their first breath here. Wow. Okay. That starts the narrative at a deficit before they were even born. Now me coming in and a lot of other black birth workers who were on the ground, on the front lines, doing the work, I am slowly one birth at a time changing that narrative by getting my mom and her baby back home. I'm changing that birth story. I'm changing that narrative. I've had high-risk pregnancies. I've had premature births at 32 weeks, 34 weeks. Mom and baby got home. And even though it was premature for preeclampsia, she still has a positive story to tell because of a doula. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. You know, that is one of the reasons why I think it's so important that we support birth workers of color and allow them to go in and help these births one birth at a time it can make a big difference so you know how can you how can you help yeah. well yeah there's 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 a lot of black birth workers out here doing the work i myself um i have a little fundraiser going uh because of covid a lot of my material has just been exhausted because i've been on on the front lines here working 16 18 hours a day jenny joseph's uh needs help uh financially um uh, there's there's quite a few black organizations out here. Black Mamas Matters, Black Women Do Breastfeed, um, uh, Kimmery uh, Kim Bug uh, uh, from Atlanta when it comes to uh, the breastfeeding initiative there. There are so, so many. There are uh, black women who are fighting right now to become midwives and the institution of racism in this country when it comes to midwifery school has blocked black women mm. and made it so hard for them to become midwives that it's almost impossible to achieve that here in this country today. Meanwhile, mm. I want people to realize that this country, everything you touch for every racist person that says they can't stand black people, then you better not get on an elevator. You better not have heart disease. You better not have a pap smear. You better not use a cooking utensil. You better not use your refrigerator. You better not use the stoplights in the street. Everything in this country has been touched and influenced by black lives. We've mm -hmm. built this country. We have yeah. built this country. And every invention that I just named was invented by a black person, even more. Henrietta Lacks, breast cancer, pap smears, Every year you go for that, it is because of her cells that you are still able yes. to take that test. I, I've read that. You know, the father of gynecology, I'm sure you know this, his name's J. Marion Sims, Correct. performed, I don't know how many, many unethical surgeries on enslaved black women without anesthesia. Correct. He's considered the father of so much of what we know now to be modern obstetrics and gynecology. Correct. He built the speculum and as well as the medical science of how blacks are, are regarded. When the mm -hmm. Emancipation Act came into being, uh, black people were freed off the plantation. They had no medical resource if they became ill because the white hospitals would not allow them in. So the black people got together and took their best and brightest and sent them off to medical school to become physicians. The American Medical Association blocked those black doctors from ever being a member. Okay. So this country in the medical sciences was founded off of racism and that science is, is existing today. I've got a picture right now of a nurse's textbook 
where she, the, you open the textbook and it talks about every culture in the most negative, stereotypical way possible. These things are being taught wow. in the medical arena to upcoming students. Denise, I had a um, client recently, a black woman who was pregnant and she was going in for her childbirth education classes. Um, so she was, you know, in her end of second trimester, moving in towards her third trimester. And she quit after two weeks of it. I think it was like a four or five week course. She quit after the second week because she said that she was the only black woman in the course, her and her partner. And that it was completely, even these very well-intentioned, a very liberal environment, very well-intentioned people, right? They, 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 they meant well, right? But, but it was completely for the white woman. So it was actually a very racist childbirth education class because none of her experience, she, none, of, none of it was geared towards what her experience could have been was going to look like she knew right she knew mm -hmm. she's a black woman in america she knows mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so she felt very um obviously like rage anger sadness frustration um and i'm curious uh, now what right it's happening everywhere where again the not only the medical community is complete we know this it's it's a racist organization built upon racist foundations right Right. But, but so is the birth world. And so right. is, so yeah. are all the doulas, doulas trying to help and all the childbirth educators and all the yoga teachers. I mean, it, it often black, depending on where you live, this woman was the only black women in a room of, I think it was like eight to 10 couples. Right. And so, uh, so what, now what, what do you, what do we do about that? Let's say I'm the childbirth educator right? I'm hosting this course. What are the actions? Because a lot of people listening to us are midwives and yoga teachers and all of that, uh, childbirth educators. What do you want them to know about creating an environment, a learning environment where it doesn't matter if you're the only black person or one of many people of color, where you feel that you are being spoken to? Well, you know, first of all, I'd like to back it up and say to the yoga instructors, your practice is not yours. You have westernized yoga uh, from uh, India and from Egypt uh, for over thousands of years, thousands of years, and you've westernized it and made it your own. So just be cognizant to know that what you're practicing is not yours. Mm -hmm. Number two, when it comes to midwifery, the grand midwives took care of white families and their own. Midwifery practice is a black practice. Remember that. Mm -hmm. um, for doulas, uh, there's a doula for every person who wants one. There's a, there's a doula and, you know, doulas are diverse and I applaud that and I appreciate that. We need Spanish-speaking doulas. We need trans doulas. We need the LGBTQ doulas. We need black doulas. We need white doulas. We need Asian doulas. We need doulas everywhere. Now, what do I say to all of that is what can you do? Um, I post live posts on Facebook. And my second live post I did uh, last month 
was so powerful because I challenged several major birth organizations because I, as a doula, I am referring my black clients for resources to VBAC facts, plus size doula, spinning babies, evidence-based birth. Um, mm -hmm. I'm, 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 I'm referring them as a resource to go to these web pages and get empowerment through education. Lo and behold, when I went to these web pages, there was nothing there that represented or kept my black families there because there was nothing there that looked like them. Mm -hmm. So I called them out on my live and I have to say, Jen McLennan, she uh, from Plus Size Birth, she let me see what she built in a matter of a week and it brought me to tears. She did an outstanding job on having a black page on Plus Size Birth dedicated to the black birth and with resources, images of black plus size families, black doulas who are ready to serve. She really, as the Southerners say, put her foot in this one. She did a fantastic job. So now when I refer my families to that webpage, they're going to see something that looks like them. And mm -hmm. that begins the empowerment process. Because before when they didn't see anything, there was a shutdown internally. There was a shutdown emotionally. There was a shutdown educationally. And we lost some ground. Okay. So VBAC facts, Jen Camel did the same thing. Spinning babies um, did the same thing in an oblique way, uh, but they're getting there. Uh, they're doing it. It's happening. Um, so uh, an evidence-based birth, I have to say, Rebecca Decker has offered numerous scholarships to African-American and black doulas, and she's changing her brand to a black baby. She's changing her brand to recognize that a blonde hair, blue-eyed baby does not cover all babies. So she's actually changing her brand starting, I think, this month. So mm -hmm. those are the things that begins the empowerment process. When you send over your black clients to these white organizations and they go there to get information and nothing looks like them, they'll take the information, but it doesn't resonate as strongly because there's no similarity. There's no connection. That's huge. So looking right. at what you're posting, are you always, you know, I mean, I'm thinking now like Instagram, Facebook, like how often you get just a photo and you put it up and you add some words, like are all of those photos of white pregnant people? Correct. It was so profound a couple of years ago. I, when I, I've been in here for six years now, but a couple of years ago, black birth workers were saying, you know, I'm trying to build my webpage. I'm trying to do some flyers. I can't find any images of black women breastfeeding, black pregnant women, black families. I built a, a Facebook page called Birth While Black, a visual testimony to black birth. There are no ads. There's no words. All that page is, is images that I found online over the years of black women or black families or black fathers or black breastfeeding or black birth, black pregnancy. That's all that's there. Mm. And I built that because there was a need for it. And now we have over a thousand members. It's been a couple of years. I was hoping to have even more than that, but um, it's slow, but that's okay. The people who are there, they enjoy the images. And I think it gives them an emotional lift to see all these images that are here for them to just have a visual verification that black birth is real and it's positive and there's a space here for them. Mm -hmm. So good. So, so that's really good. So looking at 
what you're putting out there. So now I'm thinking like going into a birth. So let's walk through like you're, you're at a birth at the hospital and you're seeing, are you seeing obstetrical violence? Are you seeing this institutional racism? And what's the doula's role there? Like, how are we able to, it, it sometimes it feels so overwhelming that there's this mm-hmm. like huge institution that is like built on racism mm-hmm. and like, what are the steps that each of us can start to take? You know, what are the things you can do in a birth if you're noticing this violence? Like, mm-hmm. there's a lot of questions, but. Well, no, but I understand there's a lot yeah. of work to be done and yeah. it's not going to be all handled in one sweep. But the, For sure. the, the fact that you're just so enthused is such a, a wonderful, positive gesture of recovery and um, reconciliation. Uh, so I really do applaud that. Sure. Um, what, what I do strongly recommend to all birth workers is to check out the Black um, uh, Birth Bill of Rights. Okay. I will have that in the show notes for sure. That's a, that's a new link that just came out. I'll share the link with you all also. Um, but there is a Black Birth Bill of Rights. Um, just look over it. Just re- just look just look at the pictures. Just just look at the visual and keep that in the back of your mind because that's also very helpful. Now, do I see institutionalized racism? Yes, I do. Do I see obstetrical violence? Yes, I do. But as a doula, I do my damnedest to make sure it doesn't happen on my watch. Mm-hmm. For example, here in New York, this is the largest hub when it comes to residency training, medical science. Uh, this New York City is the place to come to get, you know, get the knowledge if you're a med student, right? Um, and a lot of my black families, they'll be laboring and a doctor will come in and say, well, I'm here to do your exam now. And they didn't identify themselves. Mm-hmm. Wow. Who are you? What, what yeah. level of residency are you? And why are you coming in here doing an exam now? Um, yeah. So they'll try to do that to practice on, oh on, on someone. Yeah. And it's my job to slow their role. It's my job to put up that, that, uh, protection for my families and say, no, if you're coming in here, you're going to identify yourself and it's up to moms who say yes or no. It's in their birth preferences. We don't want students. We don't want, you know, uh, numerous vaginal exams. Did I see obstetrical violence? Absolutely. Medicaid moms. That, that is a free for all for residents to practice on these Medicaid moms. Ridiculous. And I saw one birth that I supported. She was a Medicaid uh, mom and about six doctors did a vaginal exam on her. They, they ran a train on her. And by the seventh person, I stood up and I said, absolutely stop. <sighs> I said, you have to get out of here. I said, get out. And I could have, I could have been thrown out, but I, you know, they were like, well, this is part of the process. This is what she agreed to. I said, she did not agree to multiple people practicing on her mm-hmm. with vaginal exams while she's trying to labor. That's inhumane. No, it doesn't matter what type of insurance you have. Like we, that's, that's ridiculous. But yes, it does. Yes, it does in this country. Yeah, yes, it, it shouldn't. It shouldn't. That's it terrible. Shouldn't. But yes, it does. So, thank you for correcting me. Yes. <laughs> yes, it does. And, w- and, what can, and what can, you know, birth workers do? Um, well, first of all, for the black birth worker, I'm going to say this. Your ethnocentrism is killing black women. You are going to black organizations that are subpar, that are not giving you the full training, that are not giving you the full education and support and resources that you need because black women deserve the best. Black women deserve top notch because black women are coming into the birth room 
with high-risk pregnancies from the jump. Yeah. So you have to know your stuff when you're coming into a black birth. She's bringing That's exactly what I was trying to get at before, but I wasn't doing a good job. Thank <laughs> you, you for You've yes. got to know your stuff. You know, yeah. you, you've got to know, you know, preeclampsia. You've got to know prior birth trauma. You've got to know epigenetic inheritance. You've got to yeah. know white coat anxiety. You've got to know all these things. You've got to know it because I've had black clients, seven figure people, when you see them in, in public, you're like, oh yeah, there's something. But when she came in for her birth, she took off her fake eyelashes. She took off her jewelry, makeup, tied up her hair. And she looked like Keisha on the stoop. Mm-hmm. The doctors proceeded to treat her like Keisha on the stoop. And I had to step in and say, absolutely not. Get us another round of medical team. And they flipped out. Well, why do you want another group? How dare you do that? Yeah, that's in her right. If she's being spoken down to and, and verbally abused in her own labor, she doesn't have to tolerate that. She does not have to have that as part of her birth. This episode is brought to you by the One Strong Mama program, the game-changing prenatal and postnatal program that prepares the body for pregnancy, birth, and beyond. Based on the Body Ready Method, teaching birth and fitness pros how to assess and train prenatal clients. Go to onestrongmama.com to learn more. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. It's not about socioeconomic status. Serena Williams, I think, almost died. Mm-hmm. She's I want to like, correct you both. I got to okay. correct you both on that because I know, the tea, I know the tea on that. Okay. Serena, Serena Williams was able to live because Serena's married to a white man, a white rich man who went out into the hallway and screamed, if I don't get some medical help in here for my wife right now, I will use every penny I own to burn this hospital down to the ground. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. That, I'm speechless. Now, Serena's married to a white man. If she was married to a black man who went out into the hallway and said the same thing, he would have been arrested and he would have been thrown out the hospital and Serena would be memorialized at every U.S. Open for the rest of the time here. Yeah, I, in this podcast that I was listening to with Leila Saad, Kimberly, Kimberly Seals Allers was saying that she was shocked because she is an educated black woman. So she wasn't really expecting to go into her birth and deal with shit. And she 100% did. And, you know, so I think that it doesn't really matter if you have money or you don't have money or you're educated or not. Like you were saying before, Denise, the minute you walk in and you are a black woman, you are automatically treated with, you know, the veil comes up. (laughs) Well, can I say about Kimberly? And Kimberly and I are colleagues. Mm-hmm. Um, I know Kimberly well. I've supported her with her book. Um, Kimberly comes from a different uh, echelon of black, where it's a little bit more of money focus, what we would call bougie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and therefore, when Kimberly was having her babies, did she secure any kind of blackness in her birth? Did she secure a doula? Did she secure a black physician? No. Because she felt at, at a certain point in her life, she had ascribed to a certain level mm. because she was, what, the, what, the, uh, the editor of, of Essence Magazine? Because she had ascribed to a certain level in her life that this possibly, this cannot happen to me. Right. Mm. Right. Okay? So mm. now Kimberly kind of woke up, 
had an aha moment as a black woman. And now she's championing about black this, mm. black rights, black breastfeeding. But before that, you know, if you read the intro of her book, you know, her breastfeeding book, yep. okay, The Big Letdown, you will mm -hmm. see she was running down the hallway with her Uggs on trying to get somebody to help her feed her baby because she did not do the prep work that many of my uh, uh, wealthy black clients do. They did not forget where they came from. They did not say, well, I've got all this money. It can't possibly happen to me. They still will call mm -hmm. and say, I want a black doula. I want a black physician. I want a black birth because I know as a black woman what can happen to me. Mm. Some yeah. black people forget. Some black people think that because they're in a certain economic background or bracket that this possibly can't happen to me. I've hired the best doctor in the country. I'm at the best hospital in the city. Nothing can happen to me. Big mistake. I really appreciate that you're bringing this up, by the way, because I really look up to her. I mean, I went to, she went to NYU. I went to NYU. You know, I really look up to her as a mm -hmm. journalist and just mm -hmm. this highly intelligent woman who's also she is. an activist. So I really appreciate that you're also illuminating that, you know, she was ascribing to the same um, systems that we're all trying to dismantle, right? She was also ascribing to it in some degree, kind of putting her health care with the white person. Um, and that's really interesting. It's really, I had, it's a really different perspective for me to consider. So thank you for bringing that up. I, do you feel like as a black woman or a black birthing person that you will be in better hands if you choose the black doula and the black physician and that your team um, can understand you and help you when they are black? Is okay. That what I'm understanding? A, that's a great question. Um, first of all, I've had in my career, I've had several black births. When I say black, I mean blackity black, black. <laughs> I love saying that. Blackity black, black is where you have a black uh, OB, a black nurse, black family, black doula. Everyone in the room is black. Mm -hmm. And when that happens, it's almost like an out-of-body experience because we're all communicating without speaking. Mm. Um, there's this energy in the room, whether it be our ancestors, whether it be our inheritance, our culture. Um, it is just such an amazing feeling that uh, I've, I've had about three of them in my career and it's unforgettable. Mm. Okay. Um, and it's, it's, it's just one of those wonderful moments. That being said, there's a flip side to this. We have some black doctors today that will tell you there is no maternal health disparity. And that if black women would leave the sodas alone and get out there and get a better job and get better housing and pull themselves up by their bootstraps and lose that weight before they get pregnant, then they wouldn't have these problems. Well, that's like Candace Owens on the, as a, the black physician. <laughs> so, so you have, it, what I say to the black family who's listening to this, it's not enough just to have a black doctor. You better mm -hmm. have a black doctor who's woke. Mm -hmm. You better have a black doctor who understands what the system is. And even though they are making their money in westernized medicine, they know how to take care of their black families. A lot of black physicians have ascribed to the westernized model of care and left their blackness in the closet somewhere only to pull it out when it's necessary. 
So culturally competent care is so important. You have to really look for it. Is that what you're saying? You have to look for it. There has to be a good marriage between the doctor that you, you have to take your emotions out of this. This is a business broker deal. Okay. Women are too much into their feel. Oh, but I like her. She's so nice. Yeah. But she doesn't match what you're asking for. And the hospital that she has privileges at definitely doesn't match what your goals are. You've got, right. to, you've got to marry them all up. You've got to get the doctor to match your goals. And that doctor, wherever they have privileges, that institution has to match your goals. Right. That's why I love, you know, um, I think you have met Rebecca of Roots uh, Birth Center. I love the work she's doing in Minnesota, creating a birth center that is very cult- culturally competent. It's really, they help match birthing people with, midwives and you know even midwife assistants they're really trying to support black birth and i mm-hmm. think there needs to be more of that and we need to be putting our dollars towards things like that it's it, rebecca's doing fantastic work when i attended the spinning babies conference years ago i had an opportunity to take a tour of rebecca's uh, roots birth center it is gorgeous mm-hmm. there's another fantastic birth center here in union new jersey owned by dr pemberton that i'm a doula at and that is a black owned uh birth center now in this country um united states of they've got over 200 and some odd birth centers freestanding birth centers I think there's only three that are owned by black people. Three. Wow. It's, 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 it's under, it's under the number that you can have on one hand. I know that, that much insane. for sure. So Not here's shocking. the thing. Um, you have legislature that's blocking mm-hmm. that number one, mm-hmm. because once again, let's go back everyone to the circle of capitalism. OBs don't want these birds to leave the hospital. Why? Do you know how much you make off of all those epidurals? Do you know how much you make right. off of all those C-sections? Why do we want to put up a freestanding birth center? That's going to take money out of people's pockets. That's going to take job security away. Right. 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 Yeah, and just the barriers to become a midwife if you're a person of color. Oh, so it's, you have it's to become abusive. a midwife and then it's, open the birth center. It's just right. probably just getting a loan. Correct. A, a, business loan is more challenging. Uh, for me to get a business loan at my credit union, Hudson Valley Credit Union, I was, I, I've been a member there now for about 30 years. I had to have a white woman be my ally to argue for me to get a $1,000 line of credit. Oh my goodness. A $1,000 line of credit. And I've been a member at that bank for 30 years. And I put in a lot of money at that bank. Okay. Wow. So it's not just the capitalism, it's the laws. Right. And at the same time, it's the schools, these white-based midwifery schools that won't precept black women, that won't accept black women, that gaslight them after they verbally and mentally abuse them on racism. What? You have a problem? Oh, you don't like it here? Oh, you're speaking out against how you're being treated? Now you're going to fail every test from now on by one point. Oh, my gosh. One point. One point, you're going to fail. Yeah, it's interesting how now these things are coming out more and more, right? So much of how these institutions are so racist. And it's, um, we're hearing people, the, the institutions being called out left and right now. Of course. Columbia. For- 
all of them here in New York, every single one of them here in New York is racist. And, yeah. and white run, white directors, old, these white women who won't let go. This is how we do it. This is what I'm, this is my niche. This is where I can exude some control because I've been in the white world where the white man has oppressed me all this time. So I'm going to replicate that behavior and oppress the next person in line behind me. And that's the black woman. Yeah. Cool. I've found white women can be very, you know, myself as well. I'm sure we can be some of the most damaging and do the most damaging things and say the most horribly passive aggressively violent things. If you want to know the mindset of the white woman, there's a fantastic book uh, when she owned the property. Mm. Okay. And that book is absolutely fantastic because it talks about white women who were slave owners. You want to know where Karen came from? You want to know where Becky came from? You want to know that is that mindset. Wait, what's the name of the book? Uh, wait a minute. Let me just, let me just get it for you. It's called, um, they were her property. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's by Stephanie E. Jones Rogers. We'll put it in the show notes for they sure. They were her property. And you actually get to hear what was happening with white women who were slave owners in the South and how they were taking power. Okay. They were taking power. And when they started taking power, the white man was like, whoa, 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 wait a minute white women are starting to own up a lot of property down here in the South. So what did they do? They went in and they duped them with false identities and married them. And these white women thought that these white men they were marrying were rich and they weren't. And once they were married, they had to surrender their property to the white man. White women, you were duped. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's in this book. Now, the other part about this is our spirituality. For many years in Europe and coming to this country, women controlled the spirituality. Men went to the seers to get the prophecy, to get the guidance on what to do, because women held the spirituality. The true cup and chalice and, and uh, a vessel of Jesus is a woman. Okay, but once the church and the kings started taking over and was rewriting the Bibles according to what their agenda was, women became heretics and witches and burnt and prosecuted, and women lost their toehold when it came to spirituality and spiritual dominance. Right. So it is the white man that has duped and has taken control and patriarchy all all the way this society this medical establishment is very patriarchal although so interesting how with this entire in the wake of you know george floyd's murder the people i'm seeing being called out all the coaches all the uh doulas it's all women it's all women. I see very few people calling on the white man to acknowledge and listen and learn and 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 Do you do you know why? No. Because because the white man has already been called out. We've been calling out the white man for years. From George Wallace in Alabama, we have been calling the white racist man out for years. Mm -hmm. And it was Trump's election that woke people up and said, hey, wait a minute, how did Trump get into the office? 
the white woman's vote. Right. Wow. Right. And it's so interesting because I see him so much as a white male, like the white, I, I now live in Miami. And so I see like, you know, the guys in their big trucks and their Trump stickers and they're like, crazy confederate flag i i see that as such a male thing but it's it's interesting what you're saying it was the white woman the white woman and and that's where people lost lost vision of that you know you white women were called daughters of the revolution oh my god you were the mothers of america the white woman had a lot on her shoulders to uphold you had to uh, uh uh produce these fine upstanding white citizens out of your uteruses oh my god you had to be subservient in the house you had to be a whore in the bedroom and you had to keep quiet and not scream out the dysfunction in your homes to the world all this time that was hard. And now is our turn time to wake up, right? That was, that was hard. And you guys started with the little uterus hats on your heads with the women's march, which was all about white women. But you all put Trump in in the office. Mm-hmm. And so now why you're seeing so many white women being called out is because for centuries we've called out every white racist man in America. We know who they are. From the, the leader of the Klan to Hollywood, we know who the white racist men are. But who was hiding behind them, who was very mm. quiet behind the scenes, was the white woman. Surprise, surprise, surprise. Yeah, and also it's so interesting because so many of these white women are such influencers now on social media, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, who are being called out, Marie Forleo, Jenna Kucher, who have mm-hmm. these massive audiences and once again are these very well-meaning white women, as are Lindsay and I, right? I'm sure we've talked up a thousand <laughs> and one times. And like, I own my racism 100%, right? <laughs> but I, um, uh, it's just been so interesting to watch it on, as, as, a, as a female, as an entrepreneur also, you know, just watching it all unfold in what feels to me like a very um, white women centric. I mean, I was listening to, did you see the video that Rachel Rogers put out where she basically called out Marie Forleo and she was calling out to the white women and basically being like you white women liberals are the worst because we don't know what we're getting with you. We know what we're getting with the white supremacists. We know what we're getting with like the Trump supporters but all you white liberals who act like you really care, but like you well, said, easy. you're still sleeping with the white men. You're still doing, you, you're still doing all the like, you're not really doing the work, right? They're not we're not, we're not, not they're you. They're not we, healed we. and they're not transparent. They're not healed yeah. and they're not transparent. It's like you can right? put a black tile square on your Instagram. It takes you five seconds, but what else are you doing? Exactly. Yeah. Well, and you heard, I'm, sure you heard about what happened and I won't name it, but, uh, the she, she rose. Oh yeah. So, oh, yeah. and, oh, and oh, so oh, oh yeah, that, that you happened. can name it. Go for that it. Ha- I mean, that I'm happened, not with that Carriage happened with, House. Car- happened with mm-hmm. Carriage House birth. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. And Carriage House birth who, again, I just want to put this out there because we have so many doulas who listen to us and birth workers. Carriage House was on the face of it, doing everything quote unquote, right. 
they were posting the videos they should have been posting and making a stance of what they should have been doing. But behind the scenes, they were seriously fucking up. They, they did with me. Yeah, they were seriously fucking up. So do you want to share what happened for those of us who don't know? And yeah, I don't know. We're not, this episode this. is not just to call people out, but I think it's important because I think that for those of us listening, which I think the majority of our listeners really want to do better, I yeah. want to do better. Lindsay wants to do better. I want to listen. I want to take action. So tell us what happened with Carriage well, House. Just, just, to, just to round it up, you know, I was my mom's caregiver. She passed away in 2018. Um, and it was a very hard passing. It was a very hard transition. Um, and I'm the only child. I was her caregiver. And at the same time, while doing at-home dialysis for my mom, being the anchor person as her caregiver, I was holding down a birth business. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had a couple of clients who were doing some things that were crazy because when you work for an agency, once again, it's all about the money. It's all about the hustle. And these clients were doing some outrageous things where as a doula, I was finding myself negating things that really should have been coming from the administrators or the offices of carriage house. And then what would happen is the client would of course complain. And rather than say, well, what's going on here and own what they did. It was just easier to just go ahead and blame the doula and mm-hmm. to basically let this doula go from a consultant contract uh, a month after her mother passed away. Mm. No space saved, nothing. That was it. That was it. And when I spoke to Lindsay about it, it was like, oh, Denise, I had no idea that that happened. And I'm like, how could you say that? How could you not know that this happened? And you are one of the faces of Carriage House. How could you not know? Mm-hmm. so you know it's just a little bit of karma i guess i guess it's just the way life is that you know when you take that white entitlement um we in the south have a saying the bucket goes in the well every day but it doesn't mean that you're going to get water mm-hmm. <laughs> so um you know that's that's where that is and that that entitlement thing because for a long time people didn't say anything you know, because this is a big, this is a big organization, you know, they're bi-coastal. Um, you, you're afraid of getting blacklisted, pun intended. Um, mm-hmm. You don't want, you don't want to get, you know, thrown under the bus. You don't want to be labeled as one of those. So uh, many doulas, black and white, kept their mouths shut from carriage house birth and basically enabled the undisciplined child to run amok for years. It's so upsetting to hear, but it's because... Ugh. It's just so fucked up. It is, but you know what? In 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 this, it, there's there's always, like I said, that reconciliation. That's the new word. Revelation, um, rebellion, revolution. All of those words. Now we're coming into the Mercury retrograde as of the twentieth. Um, but reconciliation, reconcile. You always hear the Southerners. Well, I reckon. Um, Let's look mm-hmm. into what those words mean, because that is where things are going are to pivot. That's where things are turning. That's where things are beginning to turn. And, and women are actually re- waking up and realizing, hey, I've been, part of the, I've been part of this whole process and not in a good way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This, my, my sister-in-laws have been woken up to what's been going on and how silent they've been and... I think that a lot of people are starting to wake up with what's going on in the world right now. And I'm hoping that it is a catalyst for a lot of change, but we all have to do our parts. We can't 
put the black tile on our Instagram and then be done with it. No. no because- and if you do, you will be caught. I mean, you will be caught. I mean, that's the thing, right? Like, <laughs> I hope. Just yeah. like Carriage House, you will get caught. So you either, you know. You well, you know, I want, I want you work. to understand what that white silence is. That white silence is conditioning of years of being silenced. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the white woman. When the white woman says, I don't know what to say, she really is serious about that because she's For been sure. conditioned to be silent. So she doesn't know what to say. She's never been told, hey, what do you think about that? Yeah. Right. I, so, think, uh, I think a lot of people are scared to say the wrong thing. You know, I, like, right. I want to say something, but I don't want to say it wrong or I don't want to be taken wrong or I don't know. I think the only way you're going to grow is to make mistakes. The only way you're going to grow is to put yourself out there and try. Right. Mm -hmm. That's so good. And when you make that mistake, you call yourself out. I made a mistake. I run a group of moms and, um, the conversation around race came up. Of course, it was right around when the riots were beginning. And, um, one of the women, white women in the group, commented that she was not feeling safe where she lived and blah, blah. It turned into this whole conversation of like, you're not safe. What do you think black people have been feeling forever? So anyway, she deleted her post, which is wrong. You don't do that. Mm-hmm. And then everyone started calling out on her. Why are you deleting your post? Why'd you delete? That was fucked up. Like we contributed to that conversation. That meant a lot to us. There was a lot of education in there. And they began kind of really calling her out, tagging her. And I, it was the very beginning of this and I was wrong and I saw it and I was like, uh, like they just keep calling her out and she's not responding and she's not answering. So anyway, I disabled the comments. I didn't delete the post. I just disabled. I was like, guys, she's not answering. I don't know what you want from her. Let's Mm -hmm. start a new thread about the conversation that really matters. And I turned those comments off and that was wrong of me. I fucked up Mm -hmm. and I got called out. And at first I was defensive and I was like, I was just trying to pivot the conversation away from like, Hey, Heather, where are you to let's go talk about the issues. And cause it was just becoming like a Heather hunt, mm. but that conversation needed to happen and people needed to see it happening and they needed to be able to express their anger. And it was wrong of me to disable that. And, but it took me a while. And then when I realized how wrong I was, then I went back and I was like, Hey guys, I really fucked up. Mm-hmm. And then I posted it on my Facebook group of like my Facebook page, my public page. And I was like, wow, I really messed up. And how many of you are messing up? Cause I think we need to acknowledge, we need to, like Lindsay said, it can be terrifying to fuck up. And I did it. I really fucked mm-hmm. up and it can be terrifying to catch yourself because I was quote unquote, well-intentioned. Right. I didn't realize mm-hmm. how, how shitty my actions were and how mm-hmm. hurtful and how wrong. And I had to learn in that hard way, but, but then I just moved on, you know, you learn and then you see other people doing it and you let them know why it's not the right thing to do. If we don't, if we don't educate each other and tell each other like, Hey, you know, that's wrong because, because you're just contributing to more of the same thing, then no one's going to be learning. Well, you know, and and people are afraid to speak up because it's been an intense environment. Right. But keep in mind, this learning process is a process. It's a journey because You've been educated, miseducated rather, through your textbooks and history at school. You've been miseducated in your community. You've been miseducated in your churches. You've been miseducated in your homes. So this education journey that you're on now is going to take a process. It's not instantaneous. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. 
Yeah. That's why we're talking to you because it's, <laughs> it's so important to talk to people who know the work and who can teach us and guide us and um, educate. And you know, I, I've, I've been a social worker for a long time. And, you know, mm -hmm. one of the things I saw was like, you know, the labeling, oh, you know, this, this pregnant mom, she's oppositional defiant. Um, mm -hmm. Oh, she's, she's negligent because she's not coming to her prenatal visits. Now we have the hypocrisy of the pandemic that it's okay for the medical society to give you telemed visits. Mm. You see how hypocritical that is? Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> of course. That's so, so true. You know, this is this is the type of situations that we're in. And before you want to label somebody, get into their space. Know what's going on. Maybe her boyfriend's locked her in the house with the Doberman pincher every day, so she can't come out unless she has his consent. Before you want to label her being oppositional defiant, she might be experiencing a form of domestic violence. <laughs> right. right. We need to you know change the way. Yeah, we there's so so much work to be done. There's Yeah. Yeah. It can feel overwhelming, but I think it's great to hear from you that we just need to show up. We need to keep doing the work. We need to educate ourselves. We need transparency. We need to be in touch with the feminine divine, which is who we are, because the westernized patriarchal model has impressed on women to be the boss, to be the boss bitch, to be the man. Mm. And in doing so, you've forsaken your feminine mystique, your feminine divinity your feminine link with other women. Because, you know, when I, when I go to a birth, these, these moms who are CEOs and stuff, they're like, well, the baby should be doing this, this, this. They have like an agenda. And, oh, I'm going to be back to work at this time. And, oh, the baby should be uh, sleeping through the night by, by two weeks old. Who said? <laughs> so, right. you know, we, we've tend to, women have tend to uh, adapt into this male role in order to survive in this country and be- totally respected in, in, in the professional arena, but in doing so, they've forsaken a lot of their own feminine attributes that um, are very needed. Yes, and you know, I'd love to, it's a completely different conversation and we have to start winding down, but I would, the conversation of um, like feminism in America is also very white-centric. Yeah. I mean, the way that that entire movement is run and directed and spoken about is very amazing for the white woman, but doesn't often speak well to a lot of black women. Well, that's because the civil rights movement and the women's movement were happening at the same time. Mm -hmm. And because of TV, what happened was the civil rights movements got aired, the hosing, Lyndon B. Johnson stifling Fannie Lou Hamer's speech. Um, all these things that were done under racism got televised across the pond and the world started seeing how dysfunctional America is. So at the same time now, they were like, oh, we've got to do something for civil rights. And who got caught up in the wave and got, got in? Women's rights. Right. But women's rights in America is a very white organization also. It is, but what they fail to understand is you kind of got through the door because the black woman held it open for you. Mm -hmm. mm, yeah, good point. That's a great point. <laughs> <laughs> We're both just sitting here like, we oh, I'm like, wow. absorb your information. There's a lot to learn. You know, and, so and, that's, and that's where women need to get 
when you get in touch with your feminine mystique, when you get that feminine spiritual side of yourself, when you come back into connection with that, it is such an amazing part of your life that could never, ever be lost again. It opens you up in ways that you never, ever could considered. And you hear differently, you see differently, you absorb differently, you respond, you don't react. Um, you know, and, and, and that's, that's it. Why, why, why do white women are so prone to crying when the shit hits the fan? Because they can't get in touch with that feminine part. They can't express, they can't connect because they've been stifled for so long. That's such yes. an interesting way, way to look tears. at it. So Denise, this has been absolutely eye-opening and amazing. I would love to hear first, where can every, everyone find you? What are your... <laughs> handles, Instagram, Facebook, all the things. Yeah. yeah. I, I read in your bio, you have a podcast, right? I have a podcast, but I've neglected it for several months now. I've been so busy doing other things. Um, so the okay. podcast has not been jumping off as much because I've been doing a lot of live videos on Facebook. So you can follow me on Facebook under Denise Bolds. You can also follow me on Instagram at bold doula. Um, you can follow me, um, uh, just about everywhere. <laughs> if you Google Denise Bolds, and my last name is with an S, Bolds, um, you will come up with some really interesting things. Um, my webpage is Bold Doula. That's what I'm known as here in New York. Um, and I support births in New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut. I'm a mentor for doulas. Uh, I'm currently doing a fundraiser um, for myself because like I said, I need a new Mac computer. So I'm really, I'm a third of the way to my goal. So I'm getting that money together and it's going to happen. And um, what, yeah. tell us where, where, where can we donate? Tell well, you can, you can donate, um, you can donate to uh, my cash app, uh, which is at um, uh, bold doula or dollar sign bold doula for um, uh, Zell. Um, you can Venmo me at Astrakhan Denise uh, dash bowls. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's coming together really good. I'm really excited. Um, I, I'm grateful for the dynamic that we're in now because it was a long time coming. And yeah. now that we have everyone's attention, um, the reconciliation time is going to, is, is, is kicking in now. And that's another show. That's another talk now. in this whole movement is to talk about what does reconcile reconciliation and the word reckon mean when it comes to all this that we're doing. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, that's, I would love to talk about that. And um, <laughs> you're on like five more times. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, I know. Um, thank you so much. Do you have any, I would love to hear any final words of wisdom. You've given us so many words of wisdom, but like, if you could just leave us with something, what would it be? To those of you in birth work, I am asking you to be brave. I'm asking you to be fearless. I'm asking you to bring forth the courage that you have. You're going to be criticized. You're going to be judged. You're going to be blacklisted. You're going to be called names. You're going to be basically targeted because of your fearlessness, your courage, and your bravery. But it's necessary if we want this work to move, if we want this work to change. And those people who are calling you out, they are fighting their egos. This is all about ego. Okay. And I need you to keep in mind that you can do this. You can respond. You do not have to react. When you react, you let your ego take over and you lose, lose, lose. So good. Thank you, Denise. 
That is amazing to hear because I hear so many people calling on others to, to react. Respond. When you react, you're, you're pulling from your gut, you're pulling from your ego, you're pulling from anger, you're pulling from old shit that just doesn't even have anything to do with this current situation. And it just, it just messes everything up even further. Mm, respond. Just re respond. You're coming from a, from a more place of control and empowerment when you respond. Yeah. Yeah, that's brilliant. Thank you. This has been brilliant. Thank you so very much for You're being here. You're very welcome. Today. Thank you. This was so much fun. I had such a great time. Thank you all for listening to the One Strong Mama podcast for birth professionals. If you haven't already, please leave us a rating and a review. We really do appreciate all of the support. If you are a birth worker with an inspiring client, or if you have a birth pro in mind that we should definitely chat with, please email us at podcast at onestrongmama.com. Also, make sure to follow us on Instagram at onestrongmamaprenatal for tips for all stages of pregnancy. And definitely join in on the discussion in the One Strong Mama Facebook community group. See you here next time. This episode is brought to you by the One Strong Mama program, the game-changing prenatal and postnatal program that prepares the body for pregnancy, birth, and beyond. Based on the Body Ready Method, teaching birth and fitness pros how to assess and train prenatal clients. Go to onestrongmama.com to learn more.